Hey, Luke. Hey, what's up? Hey, hey, um, everybody. We got Luke Cannon on the podcast. So thanks for being here, Luke. Glad to have you as a guest. Yeah, super, super exciting. Glad to be here. So I'll try to kind of share a little bit of an intro of like what I know about you so far, um, and then you can kind of fill in the details. Um, I think we met, kind of saw you around on Twitter, I don't know, like six, eight months ago. Um, and you were kind of doing some interesting things in crypto and getting interested in investing. And kind of at the same time as when I was really kind of getting more into crypto myself. And so I just, you know, the stuff you were sharing and doing, I thought was pretty interesting. You, you know, you worked, you used to work at AppSumo. Um, and then I don't know, maybe it was four or five months ago, you went full time into doing your own stuff and investing full time, which is pretty cool. And so we're definitely gonna want to hear more about that. Uh, but yeah, anything I'm missing? What, what else am I missing to kind of fill in on kind of your background? Yeah, I mean, I th- yeah, I think that's about it. Um, yeah, I had a mac- marketing background beforehand, so you know, was bouncing around a lot of startups. Was briefly at a crypto-related startup, um, and that was kind of my first professional experience with crypto. And then, uh, but yeah, now doing my own thing, and um, you know, lots to lots to talk about and lots that's uncertain too about about what i'll be doing next or stuff like that but um but yeah mm-hmm. so you were you kind of have a marketing background did you go to school for marketing at all or like how did you get into that i went to school for econ and um that was kind of what i was more interested in but i knew i wanted to go into business um start my own company or something like that um Ended up just joining marketing at or being in marketing at the first company I was at after college. Um, it was just their kind of need at the moment, and I enjoyed it. It was always kind of fascinating to like to. Uh, it, it seemed to be like one of the biggest problems that every company has, right? Like tons of companies have a product or whatever, but at the end of the day, like the competition is like getting customers and doing it affordably and growing and stuff. And so that seemed interesting to me, and that's what I did. And that's kind of what I created all my content on LinkedIn and Twitter around as well. So I think I was connected with and kind of in the, the community on Twitter around that topic. And uh, yeah, I guess, you know, the people you surround yourself with, you end up wanting to be more like. So it's kind of like a uh, <laughs> kind of like a spiral where, um, you know, because you surround yourself with them, you just want to be a marketer. And so that identity kind of came, came out of that. Um, but, but yeah, and, th- and then conversely, that was also how the, the crypto transition happened because both a lot of those people ended up joining Web3 full-time, but then also um, I started following a lot of these crypto people because they seemed interesting. And so pretty soon my whole feed was all crypto and you feel like that's what mm-hmm. the whole world now revolves around. And yeah. uh, so it, <laughs> it goes both ways, but yeah. I think that's uh, an interesting idea of just like, basically wanting to become more like the people you're like, I, I don't, you know, that's the thing that we've read and people talk about is like you, you become like your friends and the people you see and like those examples and stuff. Um, but yeah, I do find that, I don't know, that's just kind of interesting that like, I don't know if that's uh, something that's completely normal for everybody or if it's more just like a personality thing. Cause I'm, I'm definitely like that. Like my personality is where if I see people doing cool stuff, it's inspiring to me. And then I like want to do more of that stuff and get better at that. And then like, what's funny about that is that you can kind of 
shift like on a dime where it's like oh now you kind of go over here and see these other people doing stuff and now it's like all of a sudden you don't care about those other things that you maybe cared about before and you just want to do that new thing <laughs> i don't know if you've yeah. experienced that <laughs> yeah it, it could be a problem if it, if it like uh gets rid of your focus on the one thing you actually should do right yeah um or like you know probably like my um my guilty pleasures are like i watch a lot of youtube um, I watch a lot of Twitch, like streamers. And so if, if that's what you spend a lot of time doing, then you're just going to want to be a YouTuber and you're going to want to, yeah. you know, be a streamer. And I mean, to, and to, to some extent, I think that is the reality for a lot of people. And that's why being a YouTuber is something a lot of people want to be. Um, yeah. so, but yeah, no, but, but on the other hand, maybe it's, it's also kind of hopeful that your aspirations are more flexible than you think. So, you know, if you have a goal, like surround yourself with those people and it's easier said than done, but you know, it's, it's, you're not this like fixed inflexible, like mind that just wants something. And that's that, um, there is some agency. So, yeah, there's kind of a long road from being like a, a YouTube watcher, like on the couch, just watching lots of YouTube videos to being able to like create like great content, um, on YouTube and yeah, going from, uh, just uh, taking in content to being a creator. Um, but no, I definitely feel that as well. Cause like, I, 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 I like watching YouTube and, you know, following good content and stuff. And it does kind of just make you want to do those same things, which is kind of uh, funny. And, you know, I've, I've played around with doing YouTube content and stuff like that, but not like, hasn't been like my main focus, but um, yeah, it can make focus kind of uh, difficult. That's, that's definitely something I struggle with. Um, personally so yeah and I think like in particular what I found is that I've got you know there's a list of people that I've got notifications on on Twitter and those are people that like I literally let them I make them like be inside my brain every single tweet every single thought they're saying like I see as soon as they say it most of the time right I've got my phone on me um and so being very careful with who those people are because you know if they're like a bunch of NFT flippers or NFT traders, like then I'm just gonna want to flip NFTs, and I'm not gonna have any sort of like long-term, you know, mentality or outlook. Um, or if they're like crypto traders, then I'm probably gonna be thinking a lot about trading crypto coins and not, you know, NFTs. Um, or if they're a bunch of people who just like, you know, post memes and kind of all these like joke about stuff. There's nothing very serious. Then that's what I'm gonna want to do. And I think like, even my own tweets. We'll kind of start to start to mimic that too. So, um, yeah. I think I'm my Twitter notifications are currently a mix. It's a variety of all of the above. Um, but I think I think most importantly, there's people who are like very post like you know high quality like you know predictions and um, you know analyses and kind of stuff like that. So trying to trying to have more substance, but but yeah, it's it, that's probably the avenue I get influenced the most. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, I. You know, Twitter is this interesting thing where it's hard to know, like, what's normal sometimes because I feel like Twitter kind of puts you in this bubble where, like you're saying, like, based on who you follow and notifications and stuff, like, that's kind of, like, all you see. And I, and I do think it seemed like, you know, uh, fall of last year, like, NFTs was kind of everywhere on Twitter. Like, I think that was kind of for everybody because everyone seemed to be talking about it. Um but then for me, like, well, even on Twitter, you're kind of in a bubble because then, you know, I'd be like immersed in all this stuff, thinking about it all the time. And then you go into the real world and like 
no one knows what you're talking about and like no one actually knows about nfts and all this crypto stuff and like and so i feel like being in these bubbles on twitter you kind of forget like what's normal for everybody else and like understanding everybody else um because yeah like that's just not what they're around um and you're you're kind of in that bubble um and then i think now it's kind of changed a little bit where NFTs is more in that crypto space is kind of more in a bubble where I'm, I'm kind of in two different niches on Twitter. And I can tell that one of the niches doesn't see any of this like NFT and crypto stuff at all. And in fact, they kind of like hate it. And it's just kind of interesting to, to, to try to understand these like different bubbles that you're a part of um, on Twitter and online. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even with like with NFTs, I, I think, you know, we, they're, they're, we've got all these celebrities joining. So I think it's like easy to think that it's more mainstream than it is. But like, mm-hmm. in a weird way, the celebrities are actually early, right? Like maybe it's because mm-hmm. of their agents or whatever. But yeah, as you said, like you go to the real world, no one even really knows what the Board Ape Yacht Club is, right? Even though that's like, you know, the, the gold standard. Um, or, you know, I was asking like some friends or some like family and, you know, whatever, like, like, right, like none of them have heard of it. And it's like, wait, I thought this was mainstream now. I thought like all the celebrities had one and you guys all knew that. Um, but it's, it's not the case. So it's, it's <laughs> yeah. d- definitely is a bubble and the celebrities are, yeah, it's, it's weird. <laughs> They're still very early. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Okay. So going back to kind of how, how you got to this point. Um, you know, you got into crypto NFT stuff um, last fall around there, it sounded like. So when when did you kind of decide that you were going to kind of go on your own? Like, what did that kind of path look like? Yeah, so I, um, yeah, I, so I think I started taking crypto and stuff seriously, like um, end of 2020, early 2021. And then the NFT part of that journey started in like July, August, 2021. So like halfway through the year. Um, but at the time, yeah, so I was working at AppSumo um, doing marketing for them. And then I kind of, there was kind of a, like a, a part where I got like kind of phased out at the end of the year. So not, not, not completely a layoff, I guess, but partly a layoff. My position was going away. And I had also been thinking about going full-time for a while. And so it was kind of just like a natural, like no friction way to make that transition. Um, yeah. And so at the end of January, 2022 is when I kind of started to have been full-time NFTs and stuff since. So yeah, it, you know, what does it mean? Like a lot of just investing and buying stuff that I like and kind of hoping to make money off it. Um, I've also written a newsletter since then. So for a while, that was a daily newsletter, basically about everything I was doing in crypto. So NFTs I was buying, um, NFTs I owned, projects I liked, you know, whatever. And I kind of set this, uh, I kind of set this goal or this like journey of like, oh, I'm going to build a million dollar portfolio. And this is like the transparent journal, you know, towards that goal. Um, hasn't got very well. Um, you know, obviously the crypto, it's, you know, we've just gone backwards since then. Um, but I did, I did think at the time that kind of setting that goal and that number gives something, gives people something to follow along with. Um, and you know, I don't know if it worked, maybe it would work better if I phrased it differently or something. Um, but you know, that's what it's been. Um, recently it's now become more of like a weekly newsletter, um, partly because, uh, you know, it's a bear market. So there's less like exciting stuff happening. Um, I'm making like very few trades. 
Um, and so it's just more, more like a weekly newsletter and then I get to like do deep dives on projects I like um, or kind of thoughts that I have or you know opinions on various stuff in crypto. So that's how it's become. I think it's also mm-hmm. a, a much easier thing to do to subscribe to a weekly newsletter. Um, and uh, I also made it free. So before it was like a, if you wanted it daily, it was paid. And then I got like, you know, five friends to subscribe. And I was like, well, this isn't even that much money anyway. So why don't I make it free? Let it grow faster. Um, and, you know, at some point, there's plenty of other ways to monetize. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like the name of the the new newsletter Diary of a Degen. That's it's a great name. And I think the you know the goal that you're trying to do, like I think that's I think that's an awesome goal. Like like follow transparently as you kind of learn all this stuff and kind of people get to learn with you as you kind of do an investing, grow a portfolio that's really big. I think the and and maybe this is some of the challenges that you're seeing or talking about is um well, one, I think it's hard to get people, I think, to follow along on a journey or, or follow something until like it's kind of working. Like once once you have like good numbers to show and, and metrics or things that that have like really worked, then that's like when I think people would get interested in something like that because like, oh, wow, this guy's like doing it. He's, he's making it now. Like, you know, I want to see what they're doing. I want to learn from them. Um, and so it's it's hard to get to that point, obviously. Um, and then the other thing that maybe you were kind of seeing is like, it's hard to grow something that's, well, at least content wise, that's like completely like fully paid where like, yeah, for like a kind of an audience building, um, it maybe makes more sense to have something free, get as many people following as possible. And then like later you can maybe kind of leverage that bigger audience to have, you know, a subset pay for something. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely, it's not easy. There's some, there's definitely some hard challenges there to figure out, um, building an audience like that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was doing a, I I was doing a free weekly version, even when it was paid daily. Mm. Um, but, but as you said, like, I mean, you know, most of my focus, right. Is just on this paid daily thing. And so you can't, I wasn't optimizing for making the free editions really good. And, you know, people are likely to share them and that sort of stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's, and and also for a lot of people, like weekly is enough. They want to, they don't want to hear from me more than weekly, right? Like their inbox is already full as it is. So, um, I think that was another factor. Like, why am I going to pay if you also have a free one? That's perfectly fine for me. And like fair, Mm -hmm. like fair. Most people aren't, you know, as interested in the, the daily, you know, trades and all that sort of stuff. I think there's a lot more casual people who are casually interested in crypto than we think right like you and i are like probably super interested in it right we're thinking about it you know like every day seven days a week perhaps um but there's a lot of people who aren't interested in it they don't have that level of you know commitment it's it's like a they put some money in into it and um and that's about it and that's that's totally fine um but i think so you know you got to write for your audience and sometimes your audience isn't yourself so yeah yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, was, I was curious, like, what is, you know, if you're going full time, like investing in like crypto and NFTs, like, how do you handle like, basically, being able to make a, a living on that, like, like paying yourself, because I feel like the hard problem would be that 
basically the bigger your your stack that you're investing in, just the more you make. So it's like, I feel like it would be hard to kind of take money off the table to live on when you're like yeah. investing, because that's kind of how you make more money is just have more to invest. So like, how did you, how are you thinking about that? Yeah, so right now I'm not taking anything off the table. Um, and I, I'm, I'm lucky because my wife, um, you know, has a salary. And so we're kind of able to like pay the bills that way. Um, she doesn't really like though that I'm not taking a salary. So um, <laughs> I think like realistically the option for most people is you have to figure out some way to either take money off the table or um, you've got some other like side income, you're selling some product or some, you know, digital ebook or whatever it is. Um, and also I think that's also super valuable so that you can like actually buy more crypto when it's low, right? And like not just mm -hmm. be taking money off the table at all times, regardless of what the price is, right? Like I would love to, I would love if I had like a little extra income right now to be putting into crypto. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's definitely tough. Like I had one big NFT win about a month ago and, um, and then I, I did Was take some the, off the, uh, the, the land sale, uh, for board apes. Yeah. Yeah. It was an other deed. So I, I minted a rare one and then held it through reveal. Um, which would have been a bad decision, except that it turned out to be rare. And so I sold it for like 15 ETH or something. And at the time, I mean, this was like, I think Ethereum was like $3,000. So um, yeah, so it was like, it was it was like by far my biggest NFT sale. And I actually though did take some off the table. I was like, okay, let's be conservative. Yeah. This is probably the smart thing to do. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the bad thing I did though, was that I put it into Anchor, <laughs> and this was, no. yeah, yeah. So whatever profits I took out, I basically lost like half of. Oh um, man, when UST <laughs> pegged, and so yeah, no, it's interesting. So, but yeah, well, no, that's 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 pretty awesome though. At least you were able to go back to your wife and be like, "Hey, this is working. <laughs> I made money off some some random NFT." <laughs> right. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. So I think like, I mean, and maybe there's like something interesting there, which is that, um, so you've probably heard, you've heard of like the barbell approach. Are you familiar with, with that? I'm not, no. So the barbell approach is basically where it's like an investing or, you know, I guess you, it's a principle you can use for other stuff too, where basically you, you've got part of your portfolio that's like way out on the perimeter, on the perimeter, um, in like this really risky stuff. So it's like, you know, at the edge right, of the barbell. Right. Um, and then you've got the rest of it in like the super safe stuff um, that's there's not really much risk with at all. Um, mm -hmm. And the idea is like it caps your it caps your downside. Um, but then you still have really high upside because you're taking out these really big bets with the, the other ends. Um, yeah. So it's like, so that, like that chart yeah. that we've seen all seen there. Where it's like the, the bump in the middle kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it might work like, you know, for example, if you have a job, maybe you have a nine to five, that's like your safe, you know, part of your strategy. And then you could have a side project or, you know, some sort of other thing. And that's like the risky part. Um, or in investing, it's like, you know, the cash that you have, the emergency fund. Um, for me, it also means like that I own some Bitcoin that I just like think is pretty safe and isn't really going to go anywhere. And then I've got like the NFTs and stuff. And that's like the really risky part. Um, but the mistake I made was 
I think a lot of people think, oh, it's cash. It's, you know, it's in the stable coin, whatever, like that's safe. Whereas like in reality, I think you need to be like super safe with what you do with the safe part of your barbell. Um, yeah. You're not supposed to lose that, right? Nice. I still lost it somehow. Um, <laughs> right. That's that's a big deal. So. <laughs> yeah. But, so but, yeah. I I lost I think around eight thousand dollars in uh, UST and Anchor. Most of that was in Anchor as well. Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of a sad day. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. very surprising. Um, kind of like what you're talking about, because like you're saying, like you just kind of expected that to be like a safe thing, like oh, it's a stable coin, and you know I think that's what everyone was was thinking, um, and right. so that was you know I kind of just took that as like a learning of like kind of similar to what you're saying, like uh, basically you can't trust, well especially in crypto, like you know nothing's backed by like the the government, like like banks normal banks are and stuff like that. Um, and so you just need to kind of see everything, even if it's a stable coin, whatever they say it is, it's still, there's still some risk there, um, that you need to think about. Um, and so, yeah, just putting that money in a safer place. Thankfully, like I was, I was getting basically that $8,000, whatever that I had in anchor was kind of like my test round with anchor. And I was like, I was very close to like putting in more money in there to be mm. like, wow, this is great. You can just like put all your emergency fund and everything you have in anchor and make like 20% off of that. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, yeah, glad that I didn't end up doing that. Um, but yeah, it, it was, that's, it was pretty uh, crazy, crazy times with all that going down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think also like, you know, we were, we were all like chasing yield. Right. And it's like 20%. That's nice. But like, of course the assumption is you don't lose any of your principal, right? Cause 20% is not going to make up for much if you like, you know, lose half your principal and that's exactly what happened. Right. Um, or, or people, right. They're chasing like 5% yield on their Bitcoin. And I actually have done that in the past. I made mistakes like that. Um, and again, it's like 5% is even more minuscule. Like, is it worth it? Probably not. So, <laughs> but you know, you, you, you learn. So, yep. Yep. So, you know, when you're doing, I guess, just like thinking back to like, you know, trying to do this NFT, like investing thing full time, like, what do you, what do you think you need to get started? Like, do you think there's so much money that you need to make it worth? Like, was there, was there amount of money that you were like investing with where you felt like you needed so much money to make it worth like spending full time on this um just like for other people that are you know thinking about what it would look like to do this full time yeah you know so it, it's actually it's probably much easier it's much easier to get started now than back then right because like you know right now you could buy like five eth with five thousand dollars back then you know it's like one eth was four grand and so it was it was actually pretty hard to get started at the time um I had saved up some Ethereum, and so I had like some stack that I was working with. But honestly, at any given point in time, the only money that you're like using is like whatever ETH you have liquid, right? So like, I think maybe I had like 10 or like 15 ETH of like NFTs. Um, but most of that is like locked up. And it's like, the joke is once you've bought an NFT, you know, you're like, you just stuck around, you're a community member. Like you can't go anywhere because you don't want to sell at a loss. <laughs> Um, so you're just like waiting for the NFT price to go back up. Um, and that's, that's pretty real. So the actual like plays that you're making are with this, which, how much, whoever is liquid. 
um, which usually isn't that much for me. Maybe that's because I'm like a bad NFT buyer, right? But like I usually don't have that much like lying around. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, honestly, like today, like five ETH, like five grand would get you really far, um, especially if you're very conservative with it. I think at the time there were so many new projects coming out that it was actually much harder to like deploy it um, because you, you you would buy all these like crap NFTs and there were so many of them and it was hard to tell the difference, right? Whereas today there's, it, it's pretty clear which ones are, are good and which ones aren't. Um, and then it's just a matter of like figuring out if you think it's gonna go up from here, if it's like overhyped um, or you know, whatever like that. So one of my favorite one of my favorite strategies though is like not minting or not like buying all the hype and stuff. I've just gotten burned so many times. Um, so I'll just like find a project I like and then I'll just like buy the dip. Um, cause inevitably the projects, right? Like they go up, they mint, um, they inevitably decline usually post reveal. And then if they're actually a solid project, like that's the time to buy and you know, there'll, there'll be another pump or whatever, like whenever people figure out what they actually do. Um, and so, like, like recently, I just bought um, an other deeds back, like a, a, a floor one, not, not you know, not a rare one. Um, and it cost me, like, you know, 2.2 ETH or something. Um, and then they pumped briefly back to, like, 3 ETH a couple days ago, but I'm still holding. Um, and, yeah, like, so, so that's a buy that I think. It's, like, a quality project. It's incredibly cheap right now because everyone needs liquidity. Um, and... Um, and yeah, I'm also, I'm comfortable holding it for the long term. So, um, but yeah, so, so at any, I guess all that to say at any given point in time, you don't need a ton of ETH, um, to actually like maybe making good trades and stuff in NFTs. Um, most of your ETH is like tied up in these projects anyway. Um, and it's you know, mm -hmm. ETH is so cheap right now. So. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's, yeah, it was kind of interesting to hear a little bit of kind of your strategy with how you're. You're thinking about it um and i could see where you know maybe it sounds like maybe you're getting to the point where you feel like it'd be more worth it to make some more money some somewhere else because then that just gives you more money to deploy into some of these strategies into the investing that you're doing you know i i've definitely felt that myself where it's like when the markets are down when everything's down like you kind of just have more like push to like okay i should like i feel like i need to go like make more money somewhere so that i can put it into this dip like it just seems like such a good like opportunity investing yep. opportunity right now um where kind of finally on the flip side when like everything's up like i don't know this was like six months ago um everyone didn't really like basically everyone was just like oh wow everything's great like i don't need to work <laughs> you know <laughs> because uh yeah. all their investments were just like going to the moon um so yeah like what are you thinking now with that like are, are you thinking that you're gonna try to go work somewhere else um yeah where are you at with all that yeah so well so my goal is to try and avoid like a nine-to-five job at all costs um i i kind of like decided that i made that leap and hopefully i can like stick with it um, so I'm kind of, I'm trying to figure out other stuff. So one idea that I'm working on right now is an NFT course that would be like a, um, there'd be like a paid, like, you know, ebook or like a paid, a paid product. Um, I basically have a version that's launched and out there, but I haven't like marketed or launched it myself because I'm still like polishing it off a little bit. Um, 
but that's like one thing that I mean that's a model that's kind of proven that lots of people you know have used for all sorts of different stuffs right like you know you make a fitness ebook or you make an ebook about how to send cold emails or how to you know get to a hundred thousand followers on Twitter or whatever it is like it works um, if you've got an audience you can sell it you know maybe you can sell six figures of it a year without any ads even um, I don't have that big of an audience so I'm gonna try to like sell some copies but then I think there may be there may be a world in which I can actually um, in which I can actually profitably run ads to it and um, and make money that way so TBD there there's also a, there's also a few other um, like product ideas I have for for nfts so mm-hmm. um, base basically how I approached this was okay where is all the money in the nft space going like it's it the vast majority of it is not going to like you know, random traders and flippers and that sort of stuff, right? Um, the people who are like making all the money are the projects that mint out and they've now got these massive treasuries. Um, you know, like maybe they, they sell out $2 million or $5 million. Um, what tools do they have, do they need or like will they pay for um, that I can build? Because um, I mean, as you probably know yourself, right? Like all these little tools that you guys need to run your project, you probably have to build mm-hmm. yourselves, right? Like remember you- uh, right you built like, you know, a web page to let people add their wallet address once they're whitelisted. Um, and that's not like, you know, a super complicated ask, right. But like for a team that doesn't have ton of developer resources, like it might be. Um, and so I think there's a lot of tools like that. We've seen like, um, discord management agencies. We've seen, you know, like, like prement, like a tool to manage whitelist giveaways. Um, We've seen, um, and then the latest, another one we saw was Token Proof, um, a tool to manage like uh, token gated events, right? Like if you're going to throw mm-hmm. a meetup for your, for your community in New York, um, you know, a tool that's going to like give everyone a QR code ticket once they prove that they own the NFT. Um, yeah, so I think there's a lot, like a lot of tools like that. And honestly, there's probably room for like a lot more of each of them. Right now, like we're kind of in a world where there's like there's like one tool in each category and everyone all uses that tool but it, mm-hmm. it's going to be a much bigger market than that um and so i think like someone could just go out and build their own prement or build their yeah. own you know, token proof um and you know I, I may be considering one of those myself we'll see if you're a developer and you want to you know build something talk to me <laughs> but um <laughs> um but yeah so and i think we even saw um so there already is like a competitor to pre-mint, like uh, Web3 raffles or something. Um, but yeah, like we're, so we're seeing this stuff get built. And um, I, think it's, I, think, I think it's like a, a no-brainer as far as like something to build. So Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, there's, yeah, like there's definitely, it's a really new space. And so even the tools that are already there, like, they're, they're kind of minimal and what they were able to do. And so that's where I think, you know, like even us with city clash, like we found that a lot of times we just had to kind of build our own thing. Cause there wasn't enough customizations on these different little tools to allow us to do what we actually needed to do. And so I think a lot of projects kind of saw that. And so there's a lot of people just kind of building stuff. Um, and there just wasn't, yeah, there just isn't a lot of tools to kind of help uh, projects do the things they need to do. Uh, the other thing I think it's interesting about, um, like the NFT space that maybe helps along these lines of what you're talking about 
is a lot of like founders and NFTs, I think are, you know, a lot of times they're artists or they're marketers or something like that. And, you know, they, they, they don't, they're not able to necessarily do all the development kind of work. And so they typically have to hire out teams or people to help with that stuff. And so, yeah, that's like a, a perfect use case for like a tool that, you know, they're just paying a monthly for or whatever um, to kind of get the job done for those kind of founders, um, kind of like a no code kind of approach. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think there's definitely some room there, some opportunities there. Um, and I, I guess even, it makes me. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you, there's also there's also room to just go like the services route, right? So like you don't have to build some software tool if that's not up your alley. Um, you could just offer your services at, at, via kind of like an agency, right? So it's a lot more like time intensive, um, but that might be like the quickest way to like actually make money from some skills, right? Like, you know, you're an artist mm -hmm. or you're a marketer, right? Like offer your marketing services. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, I've, I've seen some people go that route, it's just, probably not the the route that is like the sexiest or whatever um but you know it's probably like the way to like actually generate the most revenue in the quickest amount of time so yeah so are, are you are you starting to make steps towards one of these these avenues or are you just kind of in the strategy like planning phase right now yeah it's something i'm thinking about um i think the one that I would most likely start myself or be most interested in would be like the um, the, the token proof idea, um, just because I think I think that's the idea that or I mean all of them are, would be would be cool, but I think that one has a ton of potential, and the market is also probably like one of the most new. So like like token proof just launched like you know a month ago or something, just in time for NFT NYC, and you know they got like every single big project on board. To host their events through them, um, but yeah, I mean, before them, it did, it wasn't really a thing, right? Like people would throw up an Eventbrite page, and you know, you input your wallet address, and then they like manually go through and you know make sure that that wallet owns one of their NFTs, right? So it was a, it was a pretty like no brainer use case, um, but it didn't you know get solved until like a month ago, and uh, it's all it's also a pretty simple idea, right? Like with most of these ideas, I think you could build the MVP in like two weeks or something, um, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and the security is also, it's not like there's a ton of, um, you know, it's not like you're deploying a smart contract and you gotta like audit it and all this stuff. Like, no, literally all you gotta do is they sign a message, verify they own the NFT, and that's it, right? So there's not a whole lot of like security that you have to account for. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> so uh, just to make sure I, I'm clear on the idea, so like token proof, so there's been like different tools that allow like token gating into like Discord or online kind of communities. Would would token proof be more so for doing that same kind of thing, but for actual events, like physical events, um, where it allows them to get like a ticket or a ticket for those events and they can show up in person and things like that? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So basically you go to their app, you know, you sign in, uh, you connect your wallet, you sign a message with your wallet. And if you're, a, if you're a project creator, you'll create like, you know, some quick custom like page, just advertising your event, the details. Um, and then anyone who, you know, connects and claims a ticket, maybe say there's like a hundred tickets, gets a QR code and then they have a, they have a mobile app. So on your phone, you'll open their app and then all the tickets that you've claimed with your own NFTs 
are there in that app. And then at the door, you know, you just show your QR code, you know, whatever. So the nice thing is, right, it also like works without internet even if there's like, you know, Wi-Fi is always, it's always down at like these big events. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, exactly what you said though, like collab land or something, but for physical events. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. There's obviously use cases for that. Um, so I'm curious, like, you know, how, how have you been just like feeling uh, just through obviously like crypto is all kind of down. We're in a bear market now. Like, I don't know. I think Bitcoin's down like 70 percent, 80, somewhere 80 percent, somewhere around there, like from all time highs. Um, so I guess like when you're, you know, you're in the crypto world, like day to day, and I've, you know, I've been kind of dealing with this too. It, it, it makes things difficult. So I'm just curious, like, how do you handle like the emotional side of like, you know, everything kind of blowing up <laughs> and, uh, things yeah. not seeming as, as bright, uh, from the day to day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it's rough. I think the, I think the, the worst part is just when like sentiment on Twitter is down and no one's really like talking about stuff and um, yeah. And it's just like pe most people are just kind of, they just, they're on Twitter less, right? Like they enjoy it less. There's less, you know, positivity and all that sort of stuff. So, um, and me, like I've been tweeting less. Um, but I think like, like my conviction in like a lot of the stuff that I have, like hasn't changed at all, right? Like there's a couple NFT projects that like my conviction hasn't changed at all. Bitcoin conviction hasn't changed at all. Ethereum, like I did, I did see one good argument for why Ethereum might not end up being worth as much as people thought. Um, my conviction in Ethereum itself hasn't changed, but like um, basically they were saying, what if like it's not, it shouldn't be valued as like, you know, a Bitcoin, but it should be valued as just like some tech company, right? And, like hundreds of billions is, you know, already over, overvalued for a tech company or whatever. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, for like, for the, for the by and large, my conviction hasn't changed. Um, and so it's just like, okay, I have to survive. And Luna, I have some money on Celsius. So that's all currently frozen at the moment. So like there are these things that are making it hard to survive, but if I can survive, then like, you know, things will be, things will be fine. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and I think, um, yeah, I mean, but, but I think also one other kind of realization is that, um, a lot of stuff isn't going to come out of this bear, particularly, particularly like in NFT projects. Um, like this might be the time in which, you know, you know, 99% we're going to go to zero. This might be the time where like 90% of those 99% actually do go to zero. Um, and there's not going to be any momentum when the bull comes back to actually like bring them back up from zero, <laughs> even if there's right. still like some sort of active community or whatever. Um, and so there's definitely like some projects that it's like, okay, I'll just take like the 90% loss. Um, I don't really believe in them. I'm kind of just holding them cause I feel bad selling them for so low. Um, but like I can still get back something now. Yeah. Now, on the one hand, though, I do hate when people say, like, you know, you just get back something, right? Like, don't hold it all the way to zero because that something is almost zero already. <laughs> so right. it's um, it's tough. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely am bad at taking losses and uh, and and just selling at a loss. So there's some some projects that I, that I should do that. But yeah, right. 
Yeah, it's definitely like it's it's a hard time. I think it's even like a hard time for for builders. Like I guess depending on where you're at as a builder, where you know people always talk about like the bear market is where like things get built and kind of the next innovations are made. And I I, I definitely see that. Like I can already kind of see that happening where you know like during the bull market there's just so much kind of like fluff and just like everything was kind of like doing well that like even stuff that wasn't really valuable was kind of getting by and doing well and so in a bear market obviously it's it's that much harder where it's like only the the like real valuable things are actually going to do well um but at the same time like yeah it's like hard for things to actually pick off and pick up during the bear market it's more like just because Mm -hmm. there's not as much money going around like it's i feel like it's more like there's just builders kind of building and maybe they're making something innovative but it it might not get really picked up and and go well till there's a a bull market again potentially um but and then it's, it's like also hard for builders just because you know it's hard to make money kind of uh, in that time. And so really the only people that can kind of keep really focusing full-time on their projects are the ones that maybe launched and did well, like starting out in the bull market. And then they have enough funds to kind of last through the bear market. So I feel like it's, it's kind of tricky, like which side of that as a builder you're on, like if you kind of already have your money, you already have your funding to kind of keep going or you don't is what allows you (laughs) to keep building or not. Right. Yeah. Well, there's also, unfortunately, like a lot of builders whose entire treasuries were in ETH. Um, and honestly, like that, I probably would have would have made like that mistake or tended towards that. Like, right. Like, you know, you keep a little, you know, USD for like expenses or whatever. Um, but like Nounsdow, like their treasury was, you know, close to like 100 million or something at the peak of the bull. And it's now like, you know, 25 million because almost all of it was in ETH. Um, and now, now again, though, the, these projects, like, it's not like they were going to spend that other 75 million anyway. So they're going to do just fine. And when the bull comes back, they'll still, they'll be well positioned probably. So, um, but, but yeah, it's tough. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. But, but as you said, yeah, like the, I think that the bear market does weed out like who are actually like building good products and like innovating. Because um, otherwise I think we do like tend to measure good products by is the price going up um but the reality is that there's a lot of there's a lot of projects that aren't designed really to have a price go up um and so they're like they're still a good product right but it's like oh the price isn't going up like what's that um or and and honestly like i think it's an achievement especially for nft projects it's an achievement just to keep the same price honestly like shout out Mm -hmm. to like people who are able to keep their collection at a floor price or whatever, like, cause that, that's actually pretty significant that your community is values, you know, your collection at X price and is not willing to sell below it. Right. Like the price doesn't have to go up forever. It's not going to, of course, we know it's unrealistic. So why do we act like that's what has to happen? Um, mm-hmm. um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's um, yeah. Like just, just maintaining a non-zero floor price <laughs> means that you're providing enough, you know, utility or value for thousands of people to not want to sell below it. So yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. That's definitely, uh, can be a challenge. Um, I see. I'm curious just like to hear, you know, I think NFTs are probably, you know, they've been, they've been changing a lot even over the last year, just like what's, what works with what NFTs, what's popular with NFTs. Um, 
and then obviously I think the the bear market will probably change the landscape of NFTs a lot. Uh, so I'm curious to hear like what do you think you know after this bear market like where do you think the state of NFTs will be like what do you think will be kind of the norm for NFTs at that point and and just kind of the future of where NFTs are going. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I so I think that there's a few NFTs already which are like like utility like memberships that like with many with like real world utility. Um, I think we're gonna see a lot more of those. Um, like like LinksDAO is one example. If you're familiar with LinksDAO, it's basically like a they're gonna buy a golf course and um, oh you know right. And each each LinksDAO membership right like entitles you to like a kind of like a member or basically it entitles you the right to buy a membership at the golf course they buy. Um, so it's like a real world you know use case. It's maintained like a half ETH floor price, you know, basically for like nine months or something, which is pretty good. Um, I think we're seeing more of those. Like Gary V has his um, Fly Fish Club for like a like an omakase restaurant in New York, um, and yeah, I mean the value of that stuff is pretty apparent. I think like profile picture projects, right? Like we've got we've got like tons of you know like blue chips now, right? Like anything over like five or ten ETH. Um, I'm sure we will see more come and like hit that barrier and like, um, you know, and, and do pretty well. But I think the days are gone in which you, in which we see so many PFPs launched and like, um, a ton of them do well. Um, I just think, you know, it work it's partly cause it's like saturated. Um, basically like the bull case for a PFP has to be that it's like so exclusive and people want it and it's like it just kind of like self manifests into like having a high price um but i think now there's so many already out there that it's just it, it's really hard like it's, you've got to have something different or whatever so i think there's gonna be fewer of those um and then i think i mean we've kind of also already seen so many like athletes and celebrities launch their own collections and i think they've already stopped doing well <laughs> and <laughs> Because they try to launch so many, and there's so many of them, right? Like, at the end of the day, it's just a collectible. Like, unless you're a super fan, you you know, there's really, like, no interest that most people have in owning it. Um, so I think that's probably going to kind of continue in that, like, athletes try to launch them, and they don't sell out, and they don't do well. Um, but, um, but yeah, so may, maybe in that sense, the future is, like, um, you know, fewer, fewer NFTs in collections. Um but um, like maybe, maybe that would be a solution for those. Um, but yeah, those are some <laughs> kind of rambling thoughts, I think. But yeah, although yeah, actually, I guess what I, I've been kind of thinking is that, uh, yeah, for the most part, like NFTs up to this point have kind of been like, obviously like really expensive. Um, and it's, it's very much like a collectible for kind of almost like for rich people that just have the money to, to do that. And um I think, you know, especially once there's a bull market, I think there will be a part of the NFT um, kind of world that will still be that. Like, it will still be those collectibles that are just, like, rare and that just, like, people that have a lot of money will buy just because they can kind of show off online and stuff. Um, but I think that, well, hopefully, well, I mean, I'm definitely hoping this, that where NFTs are going is that it will be more so for, like, real world, like, use cases or, you know, cases online and stuff still but like more so for the utility and so i could see a lot of nfts start to be 
basically just like priced more so along the real value of what they're offering rather than just a lot of speculation, which is kind of how it's been up to this point. Um, and so I could see there being even like a lot of NFTs that are like free or just like, you know, not even that much money because they're, they're priced along some kind of um, real uh, utility that, you know, is at that price. And so I could see them kind of just becoming another way for businesses to like sell, offer like a product um, where like, NFTs is kind of just another uh, platform for um, getting that product, paying for it, um, and stuff like that. And so, who who knows how long that will take? But I feel like longer term, like that's where it's it's going. I think. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. definitely interesting to kind of think of what the possibilities are. And I definitely, yeah, definitely don't think NFTs are are dead or anything like that. They're they're going somewhere. Um, but just like, yeah, knowing how long that's going to take. Um, so yeah yeah and then and then gaming is kind of one that we didn't touch on i guess but mm-hmm. but yeah and there's been so many different models with with like nfts and gaming like um do you just create like a you know a fun experience a cool like experience kind of like like city clash right like there's like some strategy to it or whatever um it, in terms of like the more like traditional gaming world like do you turn every like skin every weapon like everything into an nft um, do you make just characters NFTs that you like level up? Mm-hmm. Um, do you make in-game currency like an actual crypto coin? Um, is there just kind of like one governance token outside the game? That's the crypto part of it. So there, there's a lot of there's so many different ways to do it, and I think so far they've all had their own flaws. Um, but it's mm-hmm. like it, they're all like it's all there's always a trade-off, right? So maybe it's not a flaw; it's just a trade-off, and different games will pick different ways. Um, but uh, or I, I've been I've been playing the uh, step in the the walk to earn. Oh yeah. Game. So th- th- that's been fun. But again, like they've make their own you know trade offs, and so right now everything is kind of going down. So. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I think I think gaming will be pretty big for NFTs, and that might even be the next step or like the next phase where NFTs kind of take off is through gaming. Obviously, I think a lot of the. Uh, like gamers that are really into like gaming just for gaming, I think are against NFTs right now. Like they kind of don't like it. They don't see the value of it. Um, but I think just kind of like free to play games, which they were all like very against, I don't know when that started coming out with like mobile and iPhones and stuff. Um, I think they'll eventually come around to be like, Oh, this is actually, there's, there's some cool things that can be done with NFTs and crypto within games. And I think they'll come around to, to like it. It'll just take some time. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely an interesting world. It's, it's just interesting because there's so many new things happening and it's just like, uh, yeah, it's kind of fun to be a part of that, to like, just be a part of all the different things that are being created, innovations that are happening and just kind of seeing where this is all going. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming on and kind of sharing kind of your journey. Um, I really hope that, uh, yeah, you kind of figure out what makes sense for that, those next steps. Um, I think, you know, what you're doing is really cool. Um, kind of, you know, kind of going on your own, trying to invest and learn and make things happen. So I applaud you for taking that leap and and doing that. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, (laughs) and if there are any, uh, people out there who want to build something and don't think they can, like there, there is so much to build. So there's, yeah, especially, yeah. Like developers, right. Like are in so high demand within the space. So, um, yeah, you yeah. can uh, you can 
you can DM Luke. I'll put his uh, info in the uh, in the show notes of the podcast. And uh, yeah, well, thanks for coming on, Luke. Thanks for having me, Noah. Talk to you guys in another one. Bye.